0: You're listening to The Marketing Trench, the official podcast where no real estate professional gets left behind in the pursuit of building a business they can be proud of. A podcast designed to help you build the foundation of a powerful real estate career. Join real estate experts Ricardo Bueno, marketing technology director at West, Dustin Stevie, CEO of Lighthouse Escrow, and Scott Shang, partner at BuyWise Mortgage and founder of Find My Way Home, as they bring you real world strategies marketing ideas and solutions straight from the trench. Welcome to the Marketing Trench Podcast, a podcast about marketing and sales strategies that we apply in our daily small business settings. I'm Dustin Stevie, the CEO of Lighthouse Escrow, here with Ricardo Bueno, who is recording me for the internets. Uh, He's the Marketing Tech Director at West, and also Scott Shang, partner at BuyWise Mortgage and founder of FindMyWayHome.com. And today, we're going to be talking about the big idea that really kicks off this whole podcast and everything we're going to be talking about from, from this point forward. Uh, we call it the Four control framework, and it's the framework through which everything uh, we do from, you know, all the strategies we apply and the big ideas that we wrestle with, it, it kind of hangs on it. And mm-hmm. so, Scott, I wanted to hand the ball to you. You're one of the originators of this idea. What is the Four control framework?
1: Well, ultimately, it, it, it kind of started with kind of looking at sort of a SWOT analysis, Analysis and doing a SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And then when I kind of – as we started evolving it and thinking about the idea, what it really comes down to is there's some things you can control in your business and there's some things you can't. We're in the, we're in the real estate, mortgage and real estate industry. Um, you know, this really came because last year interest rates went up and down one full percent over a six-month period. And people were panicking in the streets. It was just kind of crazy. And so as we started thinking about it, we we were thinking about, listen, first of all, when things are great as small business owners, you're you're hustling and you're bustling and you're just trying to get handle all the business that's coming in. But when things slow down, then all of a sudden you don't have anything to rely on because right. you weren't investing. You were investing. We call it kind of the low hanging fruit concept. When you go along just picking the low hanging fruit, if you turn around, there's seven eighths of the tree that's full of apples that you just didn't have time to climb up the ladder and get it. Right. So you're leaving a lot behind. So what you can control, no matter what happens in your market, there's four areas of your business you can always control. You can always control your reputation. Your reputation is not online reviews. It's how you're perceived as a business owner, as a member of your community. Uh, it's it's who, what people think of you when they hear about you. Um, so your reputation, your relationships. In small businesses, we rely a lot on relationships and and. I mean, the, probably the greatest example of this is the three of us kind of started getting together doing because. This
2: podcast. Yeah. Yeah.
1: We're doing this podcast. We started exploring these ideas. We all work sort of in the same vertical, we can help each other. Um, so your business relationships and, and in our industry, you always have transactional relationships that you have to work with. You have to work with an escrow company, a title company, real estate agents, lenders. So you have these vertical or you have these transactional relationships, but you don't always get to control those relationships, but sometimes you can. So that, that concept was essentially if, you're if you, the people that are in your business with you that are responsible for making you successful, if they're not contributing to that success, mm-hmm. then they're not helping you move forward. You right. have the opportunity to build more valuable relationships that are going to bring more to the table. Um, the next one is your prospecting, how you go out and you talk to people. Um, that's effort. You know, if you're a real estate agent, maybe it's knocking on doors. Um, if you're doing digital marketing, if you're investing in your marketing, and then the past thing, which is probably or the last one, which is probably the single most important one is your past clients. So many people do not work their past client database. And that is probably the biggest goldmine in every business that's just laying there under a very fine layer of sediment and they're not going back and they're not digging in there and looking at those.
0: Yeah. You know, it's so crazy because uh, I mean, we've met with plenty of clients that, you know, we sit down and we're like, you got to work your past client database. But if I'm honest at Lighthouse we haven't been great at it either. I mean, for years we operated where it was just like, we're out there, we're hunting, we're prospecting, we're trying to get this business, right? And we bring this business in the door. And then as soon as it closes, we celebrate and we keep focusing on the front end. But it's like, what are we doing on the follow-up? It was only in the last couple of years that we actually started hiring people just to work the past database. And I'm glad we did because you know attrition rate is actually just as bad for a business as not being able to prospect new business.
1: What's the the saying? It's twice as hard to get a new business as it is to keep your existing business. Yeah, well, at
0: least it feels like it's harder than that. Either. Way harder
1: than that. Yeah. yeah. No, and and listen, this we don't have all the answers here. The the we I didn't do a good job of getting of working with our past clients either. But then once you recognize that, and once you realize that, and you start working them, you're like, holy cow, that was the easiest. And that's kind of the weird thing is all these things are the absolute basics. And and really what it comes down to, and that's the your Jay Abraham getting everything you can out of everything you got. Be brilliant at the basics. This right. this this framework, this is the foundation of any business. And anything can fit into it.
0: And I love that you're talking about the fact that these are basic things because I know that, you know, the three of us we sit down. Right. We're off mic and we just start dreaming big dreams. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, got a dream that will never die. Right. You know, we're <laughs> it's like, we're like squirrel, squirrel again. It's like a thousand things. Yeah. And look, I mean, if any of us have ever been to an industry conference, we all happen to work in real estate. So if we ever go to a real estate conference, there's 10,000 products, 10,000 yeah. good ideas. Lots of people get it. But the, yep. the point is, um, at the end of the day, like it, it doesn't have to be that complicated, really. What you got to focus on are really fundamental things. And we want to distract ourselves from the fundamental things, I think, because it's hard. I mean, why do you think we don't get the basics right?
2: That's a tough one. Um, It's easy to want to look for the easy button in everything that we do. Yeah, 100%. And when we go to a convention, like Car Expo is coming up. When we go to a convention, people are going to walk that floor and they're desperate for the easy button. And they see the easy button in every new product that's out there.
1: Well, because we're in sales also. And sales is extremely difficult and all of those conferences are set up at trying to make it seem easier than it is right and and that's kind of where the four, that's kind of where the framework comes in is when you see a shiny object um, the first thing i always do is i say great how does it fit into my existing systems mm-hmm. how does it how it, is it going to plug in seamlessly is it a closed environment does it, does it work with everything else? Right. How is it going to grow my business? Is it going to contribute to my prospecting? Is it going to help me get my past clients? Is it going to help me build relationships? And is it going to improve my reputation? I mean,
2: Scott and I sit in meetings where we have, in recent weeks, sat in a meeting where they keep throwing feature, 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 feature at us, but we don't really talk about or they don't really talk about why it's important.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, we we, we were sitting in one meeting and somebody yeah. was really stuck on a messenger bot on Facebook. But they didn't have any presence on Facebook. They don't have any. They don't have traffic. Right. And but it's sexy sounding, and it's like, oh, it's gonna do the sale for you. Right. It's a bot. It's gonna <laughs> message. It's gonna message people. That's what it does. I'm like, great, where does it fit in your existing business? How does that amplify what you're already doing?
0: Right, which feels like a hard question. But let's dive into, let's just start with reputation. Sure. Um, so why is that one of the categories? And can you give some examples of how people can control their reputation or shape their reputation?
1: My life's motto is Zig Ziglar's quote, you can have anything you want in life if you help enough other people get what you want. Mm-hmm. And And so your reputation is when somebody thinks of you, do they think, that's the guy that can. If, if I ever have a question, if I ever have a problem, I know if I ask Scott, he's going to give me good advice. He's going to tell me. He's going to. He's going to introduce me to somebody that can help me. Um, this is what's your reputation as a business owner? Um, what are you doing for your community? Are you are are you out there trying to cash as many commission checks as you can? Transactional transactional or or are you leveraging your position as sort of an influencer or somebody that talks to a lot of people to maybe help a cause or or support a charity or bring people together that you know that are going to make things make things better reputation is a lot of things it's not really the biggest the, the main point of that is it's not online reviews it's so much deeper than that.
2: I think a great example of that is Edie Israel and Your Okay. She participates and she participates in the community. People all around the community know her. She recently did uh, the Taste of Your event, and I think it's her what fourth or sixth maybe even longer year sponsoring it. She's just deeply ingrained in that community. Yeah, you and, can't
1: say her name in, in your Belinda without somebody know know who, who she, she is, is. Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. So look. And on the one hand, I think that that's compelling. But on the other hand, I think uh, Lighthouse has spent a bunch of money sponsoring a bunch of different organizations. You know, we've done the Goodwill thing. And every once in a while, someone will come to my office and, you know, especially if they're interviewing, they'll say, oh, I looked at the website and I saw that you did philanthropy and that's really great. But reputation is a super hard thing to measure, especially if you're not looking at reviews. So how are you supposed to even know what your reputation is? How are you supposed to know that you're not just... Throwing your money away at causes, right? Like, this has to be directed somehow. There has to be some sort of metric.
1: Yeah, it's it's not a it's it's not about purposely going out there and doing things. It's how you conduct yourself in your business. It, it really just is. It, it's um, online reviews is are a um, are evidence of having a good reputation. Mm-hmm. So listen, it's not some, I don't know if it's something that you can necessarily define. I think it's easier to define what it's not. Yeah. I think it's easier to define what it's not is, um, is if I get is, is going out and this happens all the time to me, all of my friends will get together and Hey, let's review each other's business <laughs> so that people think that we have like a lot of reviews and right. I'm like, or you'll pay
0: for the reviews.
1: And that's, something. yeah. And, and sure. That's you can do that. And, and there's a thin veneer of having a reputation there. But it's not necessarily I, who you
2: are. I wouldn't discount the importance of having long re- online not. reviews because I yeah. go out and I help agents with that, especially yeah. if they've right. been in the business for a while. Right. And the fact of the matter is we live in a five-star review culture. If we're looking for a restaurant, a bar, anything, mm-hmm. where do we go? We go to Yelp and we look for four or five stars. But when you're talking to that
1: client, you're saying, hey, listen, my business depends heavily. We live in a five-star culture. My business depends heavily on your feedback and saying to let people know that I'm somebody that you can feel comfortable working with. And so
2: then are you actually delivering on that experience post-transaction?
0: Yeah, that's interesting. So it sounds like then what we're saying here is reputation is not necessarily an objective metric. It's a frame of mind that then informs everything that you do. Right. And so if, you know, if you're thinking, for example, some charity comes to you and they say, hey, donate money to this charity. It's going to make you really you know, popular. You're going to get seen or whatever. Um, and you're thinking, OK, I'm going to make this transaction so that I increase reputation points or whatever. You're, you know, that's the wrong way to approach it. It's more of like, are you a generous person in general? And is your willingness to donate to a campaign, um, you know, a cause or something like that? out of your being a generous person, or you're trying to transact your way to positive reputation. And if you're the kind of person who has a mindset of generosity, then as you conduct your business in lots of ways, not just donations, you're going to find that you gain a reputation of being a generous person, and that's what you should be going for, right? Just being generous and not just, you know, I I talk about money, but really there's lots of ways to be generous, time, talent, and treasure, right? Right. It's, are you giving your time, volunteering it, helping other people? Scott, you've been huge help to Lighthouse. And, you know, we don't do business together, really. I mean, every once in a while, we get an opportunity. But it's not like you're expecting me to be directing every single person I know to you for loans, right? Or talent. Um, You know, the three of us, we regularly sit in on meetings with people. There's, you know, the stuff that we do with people, it's not like there's an uh, expectation of reciprocity here or, you know, quid pro quo. We don't operate that way. We're ethical people. Um and, you know, most of what we're doing, we do it because we love it and we want people to be successful. And, you know, like you said earlier, it's if if you, you know, it's the Zig Ziglar idea. If you pour into people, then you you know, you you will be as an almost an accident of that be successful.
1: As a, as as sort of a tactical uh, approach to this, and and this is something, it, again, this is, it, you know, and I want, and and I, I want to make this clear, a lot of the stuff that we're talking about, we're working out ideas that we want to implement in our own businesses. Right. And one of the things we're working on right now, and, you know, this stuff is complex, you know, once you get an idea and you form an idea, then you've got to, You've got to train your employees on it and you have to do these things. So one of the things that we're working on right now in terms of reputation is right up front with all of our transactional partners. We're saying, listen, this is our goal. Our goal is to deliver this five-star experience and that's going to be our goal every single step of the way yeah. and at the end of the transaction i'm going to ask you for that review so you're pre-framing it now you're committed and um, now everything that you do they're judging you based on the fact that you're saying listen i am going to make this effort and um it, you know so so as in terms of a reputation as a tactic for improving your reputation if you accomplish that, if you preframe that before the transaction and then you accomplish that, yes, you're going to get that review, which is evidence of you doing a great job. Mm-hmm. But what you've also done is you've made a promise, you've kept a promise, and you have a reputation of somebody who's trustworthy.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's great. Okay, so that makes sense of why reputation's here, um, because it's a mindset. It really uh, it, there. It has a lot of advantages, right? So if, if you have a mindset of um, wanting to have a, a, a positive, be a positive influence. Right. Or I remember I I recently read Ed Catmull's book, creativity, Inc. He's the president of Pixar. And he was saying, look, you know, we sometimes get confused. We think that the goal of our work is to make a product cheaper or faster or, you know, whatever, right. Like some measurable increment, but really what you want to do is you want to aim at making a product great, and then how those things sort of subordinated to it, like we make it great for, uh, in the way of making it more affordable or whatever. Point being, reputation. If you've got this mindset and you conduct yourself in a way where you're you've got you're thinking about your reputation, you're conducting yourself according to that mindset, it's going to manifest itself in all kinds of business building ways.
1: Yeah, and and and. In a perfect world, it's going to prevent you from from maybe getting lured into shortcuts.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's that's really interesting. Can you say more about that before we go on to uh, the next one?
1: Sure. And this whole for the whole for the whole framework thing is, is is I think of them as as sunglasses, you know, rose colored glasses. So look at everything that you do. If you're going to make a decision, um, put it through the reputation filter. Is this going to improve my reputation? Is this going to contribute to how people think about me and how I run my business
2: How I'm perceived Uh, in the market?
1: How am I perceived in the market? It is. Yeah. Does it
0: synergize with the other things I'm doing? Correct.
1: Does it does it contribute to Yeah. Does it contribute to the entire to the big picture? Does it contribute to the whole thing? And and I think so many people don't think about how they think, how do I get that next deal? How do I get that next thing? I need to I need money. I need to do this. And when you're in that mindset, you take shortcuts, you take shortcuts. You're like, what's the quickest path? And then the first, you know, every time a speaker gets up on the stage and talks about the thing that they're getting paid for, you're like, yeah, that I want that button, I want that thing, (laughs) whatever, you know?
0: Right, right, the easy way. So let's dive into relationships now, because that does tie into reputation, right? The the company you keep. So why is relationships in this?
1: Relationships is in this because, um, and I run into this a lot as a lender, Mm -hmm. um, is if I'm talking to somebody else, like a real estate agent or something, they're saying, um, oh, I've got this lender that I've worked with forever. Well, no, they don't do this. They don't do that. They don't do this. I've just worked with them forever. <laughs> so what I think what ends up happening is we get comfortable. We don't like change. <clears throat> we don't like change in any relationships, personal or business relationships. Yeah. But if you can cut that off and you can say, listen, I, personal is one thing. Business is another business relationships. It's OK to build new business relationships. You don't have to feel obligated to do business with somebody who you've always done business with, because I'll, I'll be honest with you. It is very, very easy to get complacent when you're in a long-term relationship. Mm-hmm. It happens in marriages. It happens in business. And you end up making excuses. Well, they're a nice guy. They're family. You and
2: I you and I, did a presentation, this presentation at an event once. And the woman admitted at the end of yeah. it or during it, she said, you know what? You are 100% correct. I've been working with my lender for the last 10, 15 years. Longer than that, yeah. And they were there. They're there for me when the market's hot. Yep. And they haven't been there for me as soon as the deals go away. I haven't heard from them. I haven't talked to them. I tried reaching out for them. Oh, and they boy. never called me back. If
1: there's any real estate agents listening, I, I would be really curious of when the last time they heard from their lender because rates dropped like crazy. And it's a refi <laughs> boom. And all of a sudden, you're not the most important person in that relationship right. anymore. It's all about getting those refinances. So, it, listen, none of this stuff is easy it's hard to be successful as a small business. And it's yeah. hard to think about these things. It's hard to think about the finish line when all you're trying to do is put dinner on, on the table for your family.
0: Well, I am looking forward to future episodes of this show because we're going to talk about some really great tools that help you maintain those relationships. Right. The fact of the matter is it is hard. And one of the things that makes it hard is you wake up in the morning. Most people wake up in the morning and their day is shaped by whatever hits their email box and whatever meetings or, you know, one-off things they happen to do, the discipline of maintaining a relationship is something that takes a lot of practice and you can automate some of that. Mm -hmm. Um, It's still legitimately maintaining the relationship, even though a machine is kicking out stuff for you.
1: Oh, sometimes it's introducing, sometimes it's introducing something that's going to make the other person in the relationship's job easier.
0: Yeah. And it doesn't
1: mean that it's more effort on your part. It just means maybe I have a particular skill set that if I can contribute, if I can work with you, my skill set is going to ease your burden in this particular way.
0: So before we uh, can have a relationship or before we build a relationship, we have to start from somewhere, and that's prospecting. Mm-hmm. So, uh, talk, talk to us about prospecting, how it fits into the framework, and how you envision it working out.
1: Man, pros- prospecting is, is is generating new business is really just the it's the shark tank, it's the feeding <laughs> ground of uh, shiny object salespeople. the, of, of all of it. the whole right. industry is geared. I mean, it's a. I, I was trying to find the numbers the other day. The last the last number I heard, I thought it was over a billion dollars like 1.2 billion dollars is spent by real estate industry Jeez. on marketing stuff uh, yeah and, and i completely believe it because there are so many things out there and almost all of them are gained at here's an easier way to earn business yes
0: yeah yeah and the crazy thing is is we've sat down enough of these meetings and we've used enough of this tech ourselves to know that you go spend, you know, hundreds of dollars every single month for this like Swiss army knife that does 50 different things. Yeah. And you're happy if you're using it for one of those things. Yeah. But like, there's this weird guilt that comes in if you get rid of the Swiss army knife and like go with a singular use tool because you're like, oh my God, but I'm losing all this all
1: these other features. Yeah. <laughs> Technology should augment and amplify what you're already doing in your business. Oh, that's brilliant.
2: See, and so what we tell people is your prospect, you should have a prospecting strategy. It's about your analogy, I think is uh, having multiple fishing lines in the water. Yeah. Yeah. Find which one works and double down on that. Yeah. Don't keep chasing other different tools. tools, And listen, and technology, these technology tools
1: are absolutely amazing because they, they do allow us to automate certain aspects of our business so that we can spend time on things that require a little bit more work, a little bit more effort. So the hands-on stuff. Yeah. The hands-on stuff. And, and, um, I mean, we're in a really cool time right now because I mean, you think about what the industry was before that. I, for me, everything is, starts from the crash, you know, because that's yeah. really when my that's really when my whole world was turned upside down. A lot of people's worlds were turned upside down. Really started thinking about everything in a different way. So that's that's been twelve years now. I remember when I first got on like WordPress, findmywayhome.com is on WordPress. Um, it had been out for less than two years when I started working on it. <laughs> and now it accounts for over 17% of every website on the internet. Right. So massive. I, I, I mean, and what is this Moore's Law? You know, there were things in, in computing power doubles uh, like what every year or something. It seems like it's every couple of months. Technology advances so quickly. Yeah. It's impossible for us to keep up with it
2: but like you said uh it's being conscious enough to know is this going to amplify something that i'm already doing successfully so
1: prospecting back to prospecting prospecting is is you still have to shake hands and kiss babies if you're in our business <laughs> right you for know sure. there's there's a lot you you can't just do uh robo calls i mean i'm getting 17 of those a day right now mm-hmm. uh, that that doesn't grow your business but somebody sold a package to somebody uh, sold a subscription to somebody that said, Hey, this is an easy way to grow your business. So, I, I mean, it, this business is, I mean, listen, we're in the people business. We're in the relationship building business. We're in the service business. Um, we don't have tangible products that we're trading with each other. Right. You know, so, so our prospecting uh, has a lot to do with with what our reputation is in our industry with uh, our prospecting is our relationships. Right. Right? Our prospecting is our past clients. This stuff all fits intimately together. Well, Let's
0: talk about past clients because that's the final uh, control group of the four. And what is how is prospecting the past client? Well, how are past clients different than prospecting and different than relationships?
1: I I think the sale starts when the, when the deal closes. So you're building that relationship as soon as you've exhibited the fact that I'm, I was the right person for the job. Yeah. That person, you get yourself a sneezer, you get somebody who just is loves you and they're just a, just the biggest advocate for you. And they're talking to everybody, um, that's, you know, deal, staying in touch with your past clients, because like you said, they don't need our services once a month. We're not a we're not a consumable. <laughs> right. You know, we're, we're a once in a lifetime or a couple times in a lifetime or, um, you know, so so once you build that, uh, so you need to stay in touch with your past clients, you need to call them call them a couple times a year, should be calling them quarterly. Uh, we started doing direct mail again. We started doing postcards, just sending out postcards to them. And they're actually handwritten postcards.
0: So like on the Venn diagram of the four control group, you've got your uh, relationship network and you've got prospecting. And it sounds like past clients is kind of that, is like right in between those two where relationship and prospecting uh, overlap. But it's, it's distinct and important because, you know, out of the relationship group, that's just a broad category of lots of people you could possibly know in the world, in your industry, not in your industry, potential clients, not potential clients, right? Um, and prospecting, again, is uh, more of a, it's a practice, it's a habit, it's a discipline. What what the past clients is, it says, hey, look, this is where your prospecting paid out once before. These people know your product or service. So they've got an like they've got an informed opinion of it. And they are a strong source of referral business if you're good at what you do.
2: So I, I see past clients as low-hanging fruit and just like you said, a gold mine of an opportunity. And I go on so many appointments where that's just they kind of know that that's important. Right. But even agents that have been in the business for a decade. What's your database? Oh, I have done a horrible job of organizing.
0: <laughs> right. It's in my phone. Or, right. Right. It's in my email. Or,
2: or, or 10 different Google Sheets. One of our reps says, um, let me ask you something, Scott, how often do you talk to your past clients? And they say, oh, I call them every once in a while. But right. do you have a structured process for doing that? No, it's in my phone. I call them whenever I remember to. Yeah, And I feel like agents, we know it's important. And yet we still, for whatever reason, because in the hustle and bustle of the day when I'm trying to find the next deal or prevent an escrow from falling out, we just get consumed and we forget. And yeah. so they don't do a good job. I mean, if firm. you want to
1: use a dating metaphor, it's like, are you going to call them in the morning? Right? No, seriously, you go out, you have a great time and then you never hear from them again. And then you're kind of like, I'm not sure if that was a great experience or not.
0: Right. You begin to yeah. question yourself. And it, <laughs> it, you
1: mentioned the Venn diagram. And, and it's interesting because this for control framework, it's almost all in the center. The, the, the Venn piece that is just on the very fringes, this stuff all intimately it stacks. I mean, there's some fringes on the, on the outside that you're doing, but it all contributes to everything. Prospecting, to your past clients is the single best source of prospecting. I mean, that's the most important prospecting channel you should have. Then there's cold prospecting, there's warm pro- prospecting, and there's hot prospecting. Yep, and right. your, your past clients are are by far, they drive everything. They're going to introduce you to new relationships. They're going to talk about they are your voice. They are your reputation. They're the evidence of your reputation. Yep. And uh, And they're going to bring you new business. And that's, that's the easy road. And it's funny because that's the one that we all, oh, we already did business with them. You know, <laughs> I don't need to, they're not going to buy another house from me anytime soon. Right. It's really easy to fall into that.
0: Yeah, it's it's funny because um, one of the things that we talk about here at Lighthouse is we call ourselves a consumer-focused escrow company. And part of what I mean by that is the moment I'm aiming for is not the moment that we hand them their check or call them and say, congratulations, you own your home, you closed escrow, right? It's actually the moment that happens two weeks later when the person who sold their home is at the barbecue and someone else in their relationship network at that barbecue comes up to them and says, hey, Ricardo, you just sold your home, man. How'd that go? Now, the answer is going to be really one of two directions, either they're going to say something along the lines of it was good, it was fine, meh, never working with that person again and i put all of those in the same category because really it doesn't el- it doesn't elucidate any kind of response from the person who inquired originally or they're going to say oh my gosh it was amazing <laughs> right? And if they start glowing, we've all been there, right? When someone glows yep. about something, you're like, what does that guy know that yeah. I need to know? Yeah, Right. And so being a consumer focused escrow company means that moment that happens two weeks later, we need to make them glow because if they glow, there's that flywheel effect of their, you know, a referral is going to pop out of that almost certainly. And then that starts the whole process over yep. again. So even though, you know, we're, we may not never work with the person who's glowing again, right? Cause they may never buy or sell another home in California. Um, even though we might not ever work with that person again, we might work with their friend. We might work with their aunt, their uncle, you know, someone else that they're connected to, a work colleague, right? And it's those opportunities we want to be sure that we're aiming at.
1: And, you know, it's some of the most successful people that have the best reputation in their, their community get the most referral business, they're, they're grateful, for the business. And when you're grateful for something, you don't stop being grateful for it. No, you know, that, that, it, you know, I have to work hard to put food on my table when somebody gives me an opportunity to work with them, I'm grateful for that opportunity. And that's, again, it kind of goes into that mindset and how do you approach your business?
0: Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So any final thoughts here as we wrap up the, this first episode and, you know, we've, we've really framed up the four control group. So uh, for control framework, so it's reputation, relationships, prospecting, and past clients. That's, we're going to be filtering it through everything we talk about from this point forward. is going to be filtered through either implicitly or explicitly that framework. Um, any final thoughts before, you know, we wrap it up here? I,
2: I think the point of all of this really is, you know, when I go out on a coaching, uh, on an appointment or anything is we're product agnostic. We genuinely care about helping people grow their business. Yeah. yeah. And, the thing that I want to impart upon agents is, Hey, I'm not here to sell you anything. We're not here to sell you anything. We genuinely want to see your business grow. And in order to do that, we should stop chasing shiny objects. Yeah, And then we should stop worrying about the stuff that you can't control. And we should start focusing instead on reinforcing those kind of cornerstones of your business or the foundation of your business. Which is everything we just talked about.
1: Yeah, no, I mean that's that was a that was a great way to frame it. Uh, also, we're gonna t- we're gonna talk about a lot of stuff that we are doing, stuff that we want to do. We're gonna mm-hmm. be experimenting. We're gonna be talking about technologies mm-hmm. and tools, um, but we are technology and tool agnostic. I don't care who has the technology or what it does or all the. It, it, I want to know if it's going to contribute. I'm trying to create
2: an outcome. Is it helping me? We're trying to create an
1: outcome. Right. And, and, uh, and, and I think that's an important thing. It's an objective, uh, it's an objective look at, at the things that we're working on. And, and really this is a big Petri dish, you know? And, and ultimately what we want to do is we want to encourage people to contribute to this conversation. We're, there's nothing special about us other than we get into a room and we have these conversations, but because of the internet, anybody who watches this or listens to this can contribute to this conversation. And that's what we want. We want to encourage conversation about these things, from people that aren't trying to sell you something that are genuinely trying to learn as much as we can teach. Yeah. And I think that's and and I think that's what we're trying to accomplish.
0: So this, I mean, this whole show from this point forward is really just for people who feel like they're drowning in opportunity because they've got a whirlwind of technologies around them. They've got all these different people pitching all these different resources. And they're just trying to come up with a framework to make sense of how they should move forward from the place that they're at. Um, and again, from from a sources of people, you know, we can provide that framework from a source where you know we we don't have we don't have any kind of partiality, and we're not out to get anything from anyone. We're just telling you, hey, man, this is what's working in our small business settings.
1: Right? You know, I guess one last thing, and I just kind of thought it is from what yeah. you said. One of the things that we want people to take away from this is you got to get rid of the feeling like you're missing out on something. Oh, FOMO. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you're not. You're not. It's not it it's not going to solve all your problems. It's not the easy button. Right. Um, focusing on these foundational things and being comfortable in that space. And then you're making decisions on a totally different on a totally different way. You're saying, this works for me. Um, how do I build on this? Not do I pivot? I mean, we're not talking, pivot is fine, but doing a 180 and going in a different direction because you saw a webinar <laughs> is just ridiculous. It's just going to throw your whole world upside down. Great. So we're trying to create some consistency and your mindset.
0: I think that's a perfect place to wrap up. So you guys have been listening to the marketing trench podcast until next time. We look forward to talking with you about the next strategy and idea that we're working through in the trenches together. Have a good one.